On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, his name is Mike, he's from Calgary, and he works for the Atlanta Braves. Mike Frostat joins us. Welcome to episode 66 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Mike Frostad has had a unique vantage point from his perch in the dugout over the years. The Calgary native spent 22 years with the Toronto Blue Jays organization, starting with the Baby Jays in Medicine Hat and eventually six seasons as the big club's assistant athletic trainer. He's held that same post with the Atlanta Braves over the last couple of years. The University of Calgary grad has many accolades to his name and still calls Alberta home in the offseason. Recently, Frostad was one of the speakers at Little League Alberta's coaching, training, and leadership conference in his hometown. During a break between sessions, he sat down with our own Ian Wilson to talk about his journey to the majors, his day-to-day workflows, and that other Mike from Calgary. Mike, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Ian. I appreciate you having me here. Uh, Why don't we start at the beginning, your start in baseball. How did you get into the sport uh, and and develop, uh, I assume you have a love for it? (laughs) Uh, I do now for sure. Um, If I don't, I wouldn't be where I am today, but um, basically I started off, uh, I was a uh, athletic therapy student at the University of Calgary uh, back in the mid-90s, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be working with the football team, believe it or not, and uh, we went to the Vanier Cup that year, 1995, and uh, uh, our professor at the University of Calgary, uh, the head therapist for the school, asked me you know, three games into the regular season if uh, we went to the Vanier Cup, if I would go along with them. Of course, I, I wanted to say yes, and I went, and you know, we managed to, to make it all the way to the Vanier Cup. And uh, once I got there to Toronto, where the, the championship was held, uh, I met up with some people from the Blue Jays. And I was fortunate enough to stay in contact with them over the next several months. And they actually had a position open up uh, shortly thereafter in the spring of 96. And, and uh, I interviewed for the position and they hired me. And, and you know, here we are 24 years later. And, and I've been uh, a major league athletic trainer for eight of those years and a medical coordinator for seven of them. And, you know, 24 years total in professional baseball. So I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at. I do want to ask you a little bit more about the Blue Jays in a minute, but let's talk about the day-to-day with with your work uh, as a, as an assistant athletic trainer, because um, I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily know what you're doing, whether you're grabbing a kit with band-aids in it or or you know just kind of walk us through the day-to-day and and what sure, the, yeah. the job entails. Yeah, you know, it's a a lot of preparation trying to get guys ready to play more than anything. Um, we have two full-time athletic trainers on staff. We have two full-time physical therapists and two full-time strength coaches. Every now and then we'll have an intern that's there for us, but uh, for the most part, you know, we're our job is going to entail getting the players ready to go uh, every day for the pregame and and more so for the game and and a lot of that is hands-on work a lot of soft tissue work uh, we do take care of a little bit of rehab stuff if guys have some nagging injuries you know we're doing some exercises with them or um, you know just kind of going through programs that they've got going on as far as hitting or throwing and and uh, there's a lot that goes into it um, 
and unless you could come and spend a couple of days in my <laughs> shoes, I think I'd be I'd be missing a lot of stuff, you know. So, but uh, it, it's really for me, it's preparation for the players uh, leading up to the game, and then obviously once the game starts, our main job switches to uh, you know let's keep our eye out for anything that happens keep right. an eye on the players and you know we'll have to make spot decisions at times whether or not we leave a player in or take them out but uh that's what we've been trained to do and and uh they've afforded us that luxury to do it so let's talk about the blue jays you spent almost 22 years uh in that organization um what was that time like i mean that's two decades of, of my i know there's some minor league uh work in there as well but uh, with the big club and and just just walk us through some of those experiences. And yeah, so I I started my first year was 1996, yeah. and uh, you know I was I was young, I was fresh out of school, and I hadn't worked any baseball in my life, and I was green as they could be. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, those experiences early on really helped shape me for down the road where I'm at now, and and uh, I couldn't be more grateful to the Blue, Blue Jays organization uh, for giving me the opportunity to get started. I did spend 22 years there, it was 96 through 2017, and uh, I'll tell you what, they were, they were great. Uh, I got my break into the big leagues with them there. My first year was 2010, uh, was back in the minor leagues for a couple years as a medical coordinator after that, but you know, come 2013 I was back into the big leagues for good, and and uh, was part of the, the process that helped get the team out of their playoff drought in both 2015 and 16. And, and those were some amazing times, you know, like just everything that led into those games and, and winning the, the AL East, uh, beating Texas for two straight years in the playoffs, uh, unfortunately losing to Kansas City and getting knocked out in, in 2015 and then Cleveland in 2016, you know, was so close to getting to the World Series. But uh, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything right now. Uh, you were around for the bat flip. Uh, I assume that's, yeah, uh, that's I a moment that, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, ranks up there. But, but any uh, specific moments or players or coaches that kind of, uh, from the Blue Jays days specifically, that... that come to mind from your time there well the bat flip was definitely one of the <laughs> biggest moments i think in blue jays lore and unfortunately i was watching the ball and not the bat <laughs> so <laughs> i got to see it as most people did on tv uh, yeah. after the fact but um there's just there's honestly too many people uh to to really go through and try and tell you who shaped me to be where I'm at today. Um, I mean, so many different athletic trainers that I've leaned on to gain new information, um, not just from the Blue Jays, but from other organizations that we share information and, and thoughts and, um, you know, even the coaches. I mean, my first year I had myself and we had our manager, Rocket Wheeler, and our pitching coach was Neil Allen, and there was no hitting coach. Hmm. There was no clubhouse guy on the road. So here I am doing laundry at two in the morning at the hotel and that was just part of it yeah. you like know? I signed and, up for this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it you know I, like I said I wouldn't trade it though like it yeah. got me to where I am today and and it helped to shape me as the person that I am now and yeah. and uh, you know but I, I wish I could just pick like certain people but I would hate to miss anybody and and I don't want to do that because there are so many that have just kind of helped me along the way so yeah. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about your exit from the team. Did you, did you kind of know that was coming? How hard was that dealing with that 
transition and did you know that you might have something with the Braves lined up as quick as you did or were you the, no to be honest I mean the whole Braves thing kind of uh, materialized after uh, Alex Anthopoulos got the position as the general manager and uh, he brought the head trainer over from the, the Blue Jays George Poulos and uh, obviously George was in Toronto uh, with me uh, I actually was there before him but not mm -hmm. in the major leagues mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he and I worked together for many, many years. Uh, from my first year as a coordinator in 2005, uh, I dealt a lot with the major league players and helping him out at spring training. And, and he knew what I was capable of. And, and uh, you know, I had just been let go by the Blue Jays at the end of the 2017 season. And I think he was hired on by the Braves in December of 2017. And, and by about the middle of January or so, things had kind of fallen into place where he was able to bring me over to the Braves and, uh, you know, give me a fresh start. We hear a lot about and we focus a lot in the, in the sports world on the, on the athletes and the coaches changing teams and stuff like that. How difficult or, or how, how hard was that transition for you? Was it a trying time initially for you? You know, initially when, when I was first let go, I was devastated, to be quite honest. I had, no. I had spent half of my life as a Blue Jay, no. uh, you know, 22 years with the organization. And, and it, it really kind of hurt at the time. But uh, I found that in this situation, the grass is a little bit greener on the other side. And mm -hmm. uh, I've landed on my feet in a good spot. Uh, we've got a good team here uh, in Atlanta, and, uh, and I think we're, we're poised to do good things. We've been in the playoffs the last two years, um, but, you know, it's, it is a great situation right now, and, and I'm just looking forward to, to getting on and, and getting into next season and hopefully have another good playoff run. When uh, Josh Donaldson joined the Braves, he was one of the guys who publicly vouched for, for the training staff and kind of you know, it had your back, I guess, in a, in a public way. How much did that mean to you? Because again, we don't focus on the, you know, people aren't like, oh, did you hear like the uh, assistant athletic trainer move? Like, I, I mean, the, the typical sports fan, not, not within baseball circles, but how much did it mean to have one of the players kind of vouch for, for your work? Honestly, that means a lot. And, and I, I love Josh as a player. I love Josh as a person. Um, for somebody that was the, American League MVP in 2015 to put his rubber stamp on us as a medical staff. Uh, it really meant a lot. It made me a little bit worried at the start of the season because we're charged with having to keep him on the field. Oh. And knowing that the last two seasons of his career in Toronto, he didn't get to play as many games as he would have liked. And he was now vouching for us to be able to be the ones that could do that. And I want to say that we did everything we could this year to keep him out there he did play in i think 158 games or so uh kind of going back to where he was at before but a lot of that lies on josh donaldson and his preparation uh i can't say that we did anything special i uh, can't say that we did anything different but i just know that him as a player he wanted to be out there and for him mentally that was a big thing but knowing that we had his back at any given time was uh, a big thing. Tell me about the relationship with players and, and the training staff and the medical staff. Uh, how, how, how big is the mental Rolodex for, you know, how 
each player likes to handle their their health and and your role within that what what is that relationship like yes yeah, so we've got 25 different players uh, at any given time maybe a few extras if there's some guys on the injured list but that means 25 different personalities and you kind of have to balance every one of those as they come and it's uh, it can be trying at times uh, you know especially when you get a new player in and you don't really know their personality that well it's got to be a real quick learning curve because you have to you have to be able to to figure out who that person is and what their likes are and their dislikes sure. uh, as and soon as possible because that's a big part of your team moving forward especially with the Braves which is a young young team right yeah we yeah. we've see a lot of movement up and down uh, mm-hmm. obviously we've got some young up-and-coming players um, saw a few pitchers that came up through the ranks this year but were ultimately sent back to AAA and uh, you know we'll see more of them in the future but you know we've at least been able to establish a little bit of a relationship with every one of those guys uh, even if it's only at spring training where we see them for four weeks five weeks and and uh, we get to develop those relationships with them and and moving forward you know you, you just build on that as the season goes on your your tenure in Atlanta has been briefer than Toronto, obviously, but some some good times so so far. What uh, any highlights with with the Braves that come to mind uh, thus far? Or? Yeah, well, you know, I've been there for two years now in Atlanta. Uh, obviously, you know, winning the National League East pennant, I think both years has to be at the top of my list right now. Um, I've seen some amazing plays made. Uh, I've seen Ronald Acuna go 30-30, almost 40-40. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I've, we've got three silver sluggers on our team this year. Uh, Freddie Freeman is a Wilson uh, first baseman defender of the year. Uh, you know, like we've just got players that are piling on accolades here, and it seems like every single year, the last two years, anyways. You know the awards are numerous, and you know Mike Soroka this year is up for uh, the Rookie of the Year. He's a finalist for the Rookie of the Year for the National League, and um, you know it's just great to see these younger players and even some of your veteran guys that just mesh together and they can all contribute together to work towards making this a winning club. Let's talk about Mike a bit. He is the the guest speaker this evening at uh, this Little League Alberta event, uh, yes. uh, hosted event. Um, what's it like uh, working with him? Is he one of the, the is he a guy that you have to put out fires around, or is he pretty easy to to work with? No, and, he's uh, <laughs> he's easy to work with. Yeah. Uh, you know, him and I have developed a pretty good relationship. I think probably the fact that we're both from Calgary really helped mm-hmm. and. Uh, it made things easy my first spring training where he was an invite to camp he wasn't even on the roster but he was at camp and uh, you know the fact that we shared that bond uh, made it easy for me to to go over and talk with him and for him to talk with me because there was that commonality in in Calgary between us and you know I think over the last two years we've really developed a, a good situation uh, he'll come to me pre-game on his start days and we'll do his routine and, and get him ready to go out for the game. And he's he's right on schedule. Uh, he's uh, very particular with his routine and he's an hour 25 before the first pitch goes and yeah. he wants to be on the training room table getting his stuff done. And, and no question, at 6.55 for a 7.20 start, I'll see him walk through the door. So uh, it's been great having Mike and, and uh, I really look forward to working with him for a lot of years. I haven't been sitting in on the sessions today, 
but maybe you can walk me through some of the, the trends or themes or issues within uh, the training world and the uh, within your profession yeah. that, that, so, that have been addressed. So what we've been dealing with here at the, uh, the Coaching, Training and Leadership Conference uh, is is really just that. We've, we've discussed a lot of things with uh, long-term athlete development, um, you know, how do we progress our young kids to become uh, all-around athletes in the future. So not just developing a baseball player, not just developing a hockey player, or not just developing a gymnast, but to make that child an all-around athlete instead of just focusing on one sport. And that goes back to the specialization. You know, we don't want to have our kids that are uh, 11 and 12 and 13 years old just stop playing a certain sport and focusing on one thing. We want them to take that time in the off seasons for their sport and play something else. You know, play soccer in the summer if you're going to play hockey in the winter or play hockey and baseball or basketball, add something else in. Just play. You don't even have to be in an organized sport, but just get out and play. And that's really been one of the main things that we've been trying to drive home with everybody. Uh, we've got a, a good contingency of little league type uh, coaches and administrators that are here, but we're trying to branch this out to be all-encompassing and not just specific to baseball. We want to see hockey people here. We want to see uh, gymnastics, basketball, football, lacrosse. We, we really want to make this an all-encompassing event, and hopefully in the f years to come, it grows and we can get some of those people in here. But uh, we, you know, we've also been discussing uh, concussion is a big thing. You know, there's a lot of talk with concussion in hockey and football and the lawsuits that are going on. Uh, you really have to be cautious with your young athletes because they're susceptible as well. And we've spent a little bit of time on baselining for concussion using the Kinetisense system, a company that's based out of Medicine Hat, and also with uh, just going through what a Major League Baseball protocol would be for handling a concussion. Uh, we've talked about the mental aspect of the game. How do parents and coaches and officials, your umpires, your referees, how do they impact the, the young sports? Um, and so it's, it's really been an all-around type event, um, even getting to the point where we're talking about overuse type injuries in our young athletes. Uh, we had Dr. Tim Griffith here with us, who's from Atlanta, who works with the Braves and, and Georgia University, and you know, just trying to drive home the fact that our young players are really, we can't abuse them because they're not going to enjoy sports, but they're also going to end up in a doctor's office or worse on a surgery table, and those are the things that we're trying to avoid. Specific to concussions, <clears throat> I feel like we've collectively learned a lot in that, that realm uh, over the last couple of decades, really. Uh, how much more is there to learn and figure out when it comes to your role and the athlete's role and the coach's role in, in just protecting and players but also allowing them to play when they can? Well, I think the, the biggest thing with the concussion is if any player comes up with any types of symptoms, we have to be cautious and, and you need to err on the side of caution and you have to remove that player from the game or the practice if they're experiencing any symptoms or if you've seen a hit that could potentially cause a concussion. 
you know, it doesn't have to be a direct blow to the head. This could be a hit to the body that causes a whiplash type effect of the neck, which causes the brain to jar inside the skull. And, and you know, it's, it's really uh, something that can be quite detrimental in the future. Uh, we had a video with Daniel Carcillo today talking about how he would take everything back uh, from playing in the NHL if he knew what his brain was going to be like at this time. Um, you know, we've talked about Aaron Hernandez, the football player from the Patriots, where, you know, he committed suicide, which is unfortunately the end for a lot of these players when they do have uh, CTE, which is a byproduct of a concussion. You know, uh, Junior Seau, I believe, was another one. And, you know, these are some of the things that we've been discussing, and, and we really have to be proactive when it comes to dealing with concussion and managing concussion. It's not about how you diagnose it or how you uh, even initially uh, handle it, but you have to handle it the right way. It has to be managed properly in order for that athlete to return in a safe and and proper timeline. What does, uh, last question for you, what does the uh, off-season look like for you? What, uh, what kind of things, uh, are there things in your quote-unquote game that you, you kind of work on before next season or is it just uh, well, sit back and chill out <laughs> uh, I, I wish it was sit back and chill out uh, right now it's free agent season in yeah. baseball so uh, we're busy doing a lot of uh, free agent medical reviews and okay. uh, you know okay. our front office is, is deep into a lot of guys right now and we just have to try and and give our uh, expert medical opinions on how we think a player is going to be and uh, and keep our fingers crossed that we're right because uh, we don't want anybody keeping score that you know that they were right we were wrong but uh, we try and do our best and and we uh, we we get through a lot of medical reviews I think we've probably done about uh, you know a little over a dozen right now you know free agency just opened up after the World Series ended so uh, we've been busy um, you know hopefully over the next a uh, few months, uh, I'll be able to get on my honeymoon, which is a year in uh, a year overdue. But uh, congratulations! You know, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it was something that we're we've been trying to plan out for uh, a little bit of a break after Christmas, leading into New Year's, and and you know I'll probably be heading back down to Florida for spring training come uh, early February. So Florida will not be the the honeymoon. Uh, Florida is not the honeymoon. Or Atlanta, I assume. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, not this year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for making time for for the podcast today, and uh, just uh, continued success in the future. All right, Ian. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Mike Frostad for joining us this week, and a tip of the cap to Ian for the great interview. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And if you can, leave us a rating and review to let us know what you think. Until next time, thanks again for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.